Welcome back to the podcast and to a new series of episodes that will lead us through the last few hours of Jesus' life as recorded by the Gospel writer John. Over the next several weeks, we'll be diving deep into John chapters 13 through 17, and we look forward to having you join us. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hello once again, and thank you so much for joining us in our study. Over the last several weeks, John and I have been uh, working our way through John 13 through 17, um, certainly several chapters, and you may put in your mind a length of time, but as we've made the point, and we'll continue to do so, one conversation that Jesus is having with his apostles here at the very end of his time here on earth, right, literally right before he's put on the cross. And so we've, we're kind of in the middle of that conversation now. We've uh, kind of gotten into chapter 15. Last week we covered chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And today we will cover chapters 15, verses 9 through 27, the end of this chapter. So John, why don't you, uh, before we read that together, why don't you kind of set the scene for us here, kind of catch us up. Uh, to where we've been and and maybe a little bit of where we're going. We talked a little bit last week about how there have been a couple of important points that Jesus has wanted to make uh, along this conversation. And we've talked about, especially when you get into chapters 14, 15, there's a lot of comfort that Jesus is providing to his apostles. He understands the challenges that they're going to face. Even though they may not fully understand that yet, he does. And so he is providing some comfort and some reassurance to them that uh, even when he leaves, they're not being left alone, that they're going to provide, they're going to be provided with everything that they need. That's really the beginning of chapter 15 that we talked about last week, that, that God is going to be the source of everything that they need. And all they have to do is ask and just stay connected to Christ, stay connected to the Father, and everything that they need will be provided for them. And so there's a great deal of comfort that comes from that. And as we get into the part of the text that we're going to talk about today, he's going to continue some of that message of comfort. He's also going to address some of the challenges they're going to face. And so while a lot of this in the entirety of this conversation is about the comfort that can be provided to his apostles even after he's gone, he's not going to shy away from the fact that it's not going to be easy. This isn't, don't, don't, don't be blind to the challenges that are going to come. And so that's an important part of preparing them. And that, at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. This is about preparing the apostles for the time when Jesus is gone. And part of that preparation is going to be addressing some of the challenges that they're going to face. And so he's going to do some of that uh, as well as continue to provide them with some comfort and reassurance in the text we're going to study today. Yeah, so right before we read this, I'll just add, I, I think you're right on. I do find it interesting, it, it, even in towards the end of this chapter, him kind of saying it's not always going to be easy for you, there, there's, there's almost comfort in the fact where he says, listen, don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. Yep. It doesn't really have anything to do with you, right? <laughs> and so it's interesting the way he even words you know, all of that, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. Before we dive 
you know, into any of those thoughts further, let's go ahead and read the text as we have uh, done each and every week. Uh, we're going to pick up right here in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 9, and then we will uh, carry on to the very end of the chapter. So John 15, beginning in verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should, be, should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law, they hated me without cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. All right, so there's a lot going on, you know, here in this conversation. We had mentioned last week, you know, in a lot of ways, this chapter, and really into chapter 14, is very relationship heavy, mm-hmm. where you have the very beginning of chapter 15, uh, that image that we talked about last week, is is the the apostles and our relationship with Christ and the Father. And uh, Jesus will kind of morph from that, uh, again, making mention of his close relationship with the Father, but really then move on to their relationship with each other and ultimately then their relationship with the world, right? And and in the world's relationship with Christ. I mean, it, it is a relationship really heavy. And, you know, as I was, I was thinking about the reason that he would be delivering, you know, a message like that at a time like this, when it becomes the reality that, listen, relationship is everything, right? Our relationship with God is everything. It it makes a difference now on the relationship I have with everyone around me, whether it's fellow brothers and sisters who have great relationships with God, but yet even my relationship that I have with those in the world 
That's dictated by my relationship that I have with God. And so, you know, kind of as we are, are seeing this, I think Jesus in a lot of ways is making the point that now everything in their life, every relationship, everything in their life will be dictated by this relationship. Your relationship with God now moves the needle in every capacity for every aspect of their life. So true. And that relationship is so beautiful and wonderful. I mean, the language that he uses there in, in verses 9 through 17 is just full of there's love and you're going to love me and I'm going to love you and your joy is going to be full and we're going to be friends. And I mean, this is yeah. fantastic. I mean, this is, and, and even that really, when we think about what a relationship with God can be and should be, even even that fails in comparison of how just spectacular and wonderful that truly is. But Jesus is trying to convey that to them, that listen, there there is nothing better. There's nothing better than a relationship with God. There, there, is, there is nowhere where you can find p- more pure joy and complete joy than you will find in a relationship with God. And that relationship is so real. It's not a slave-master relationship, even though that language and that imagery is used at times to describe it. What Jesus is talking about here is the intimacy and the personal nature and the mutual benefit that can be found in a relationship with God, so much so that he wants us to be friends with him. And, I mean, that is just such an amazing concept to even think about. And and yet that's what Jesus is saying that the relationship that he wants to have with us is going to be like. And so it's just, it's truly remarkable to sit back and read these words and to think about what Jesus wants in a relationship with us and just how remarkable it is. Why would anybody look anywhere else in the world when this is what's being described that can be found in the relationship with him. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a way for us, you know, we've talked so much about that this is one conversation that it kind of goes from John 13 through John 17, that this, it's one conversation. We've talked a lot about that. We've talked a lot about the timing of this one conversation, just literal hours before he'll be arrested and put on the cross. And so, you know, of keeping that in our mind, you know, there's a couple of instances, you know, in this text we've read where that really comes in key, one towards the end or the middle of that text we'll get to in a minute, but one right here with this idea of friend. You know, it's interesting he makes a point you know, about, you know, the relationship that, that they can have with one another and ultimately the relationship that friends need to have, mm-hmm. right? And then he'll make the point that the kind of love that we're talking about is it is love that is so high and that it is so great that you would be willing to give your own life for a friend. And then he leaves that in the very next statement that you made mention of, you're my friends. Mm-hmm. You are my friends. And, and, and you know, it's not, uh, hopefully it's not going to be lost on them, certainly not lost on us as we read yeah. the text. But there, it's hours from him exemplifying this, mm-hmm. right? He's been talking about it, but it's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to put himself on the cross, and he's going to do so because of love for his friends. And, you know, it's just an interesting timing thing when you begin to think about this that, you know, maybe maybe the apostles would be able to think about, you know, a, a day from now after Jesus has died, 
Mm-hmm. You know, that it's not, it's not going to be hard for them to remember this conversation, right? Yeah. Probably months or years, maybe their lifetime, they're going to remember this conversation. But certainly a day later after Jesus has died and he has been buried, that they would be thinking, man, you remember that thing he said about love for your friends? Mm-hmm. The, the greatest amount of love is to lay down your life. And that's exactly what he has done for us. That's so true and such a powerful thing to think about. And, and really, as you were talking about that, I was thinking that I, this example that Jesus is going to set of doing the very thing that he's talking about here, that that clearly does impact and influence the lives of the apostles, as many of them will ultimately be martyred for the cause of Christ. Right. And so they too, in essence, are going to be demonstrating their willingness to lay down their life for the cause of Christ and so they do learn from this. Now, they have their own struggles along the way, but they do learn from this example. And many of them will have to live out exactly what Jesus is describing here. And, I, and I'm confident reading the pages of the New Testament and knowing what we know about Christ, and then a single one of them regret that, dis- that decision. Right. Because that's what a relationship with God is. It's, it's, it's pure joy and pure happiness, even in the midst of the most challenging things that could be imagined. There is joy and comfort and peace found in a relationship with God, one that is built on love, one that is built on on the reassurance that Christ will complete what he came to do and and that he will save us from our sins and bring us home to him when our life is over. And so knowing that builds and helps, helps create the relationship between us and him even today because we can have the very same confidence in the promises that he has made today that the apostles did in their day. And it's so, so powerful and so, uh, so rich in peace uh, to really think about what it means to be a friend of Christ. And, you know, we've got it, we're in the midst of an entire Bible class kind of structured around that concept of what it means to be a friend of God's and how you go about building that relationship. And it's just so powerful to think about the tools and the opportunities that God has given to us to build and create this relationship with him that will last for eternity. It never ends and it never wavers. He's always there for us. And it's so comforting to be in a position to be a receive, be on the receiving end of that type of love. And that's where the apostles found themselves here and, as you mentioned, in the days that would follow. You know, it's interesting in, uh, in John's later writings, you know, when he'll write, you know, uh, uh, the epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, when he writes in 1st in John, and um, he's not, it's written in a, in a very different narrative, right? He's, he's writing in time, you know, mm-hmm. right here. But when he gets to, you know, when he writes about in 1st John, and he's thinking about you know things, and he's not just telling the story here of recounting Jesus's conversation, but you know it's interesting. He makes that point right that here is Jesus exemplifying the type of love. Mm-hmm. Now he's about to do that here, but John will make the point that this is the kind of love that we need to have for each other, and that's the point that Jesus makes. Verse seventeen: These things I command you that you love one another. What well, this is the level of love that he wants them to have. And and he knows because of where this conversation goes next, yeah. certainly they're going to need God He's and Jesus they, and the Holy Spirit. He's made that point multiple times and will continue to do so. But they're going to need each other. They're going to need each other because it's there are some 
we'll say, challenging times ahead. Nothing that they can't get through Mm -hmm. or nothing that they can't navigate, but there will be challenging times ahead, and and God's going to be there to help them through. But they they can be there for one another as well. And then as you read the book of Acts, we'll find out that that's exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. They are together when Acts chapter 2 begins. Where are the apostles? Together. And, and so you start to see the importance of all of that, you know, play out pretty quickly. Yeah, you, you made mention of it there beginning in verse number 18 through the end of this chapter. He's going to make, he's going to really draw a contrast between the love that Christ has for those who are his and the hatred that the world has for those who are God's. And it's, while I think we, we've talked about it a little bit, he's preparing them for some of the challenges that are going to come, so they're not blindsided by this. Although they have witnessed this already as they have seen uh, the hatred that has been uh, demonstrated toward Christ even up until this point. They've seen that and experienced that themselves, and so they understand that. But the target is going to be on them once Christ is gone. They're going to become enemy number one at that point. And so while Jesus addresses that so that they're not caught off guard by that, it's amazing how even in the midst of a conversation like that, there's still comfort found in all of this. Yep. (laughs) Because you made mention of it at the very beginning, at the very outset of this conversation, that while you may feel the hatred of the world directed at you, it's actually not you they're mad at. That's right. It's it's him. It's God. It's it's Christ. It's 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 him that they hate, not you. And, and so while preparing them for these very challenging circumstances they're going to face, he is still providing them with comfort even in the midst of that, the way only Jesus can do. Yeah, and you know, in making that point, you know, I made mention just a moment ago that there's really a couple of times here in this text where understanding this conversation all happening at one time and, and when it happens, there are a couple of interesting things that happen. You know, we made mention of him saying a friend will lay down his life for another friend, and, and I call you a friend, and he's going to lay down his life. But, you know, there's also, you know, something else. I don't know if I've noticed before, but when you begin to think about this all in one conversation, you have him in the midst of making this point that uh, it's not you, it's me, you know, kind of scenario. And if they've hated me, don't be surprised when you encounter problems, right? And he says in chapter 15 and verse 20, he says, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And you'd have to think, well, when, when did he say that? Well, he said that in chapter 13 and verse 16, after he had washed their feet. And he, and he had said, listen, this is something that you need to do, you know, for each other. And, and I was sitting thinking about that. And, and it's like, what was that a half hour ago? I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's something right. that it, it just yeah. it pinpoints again you know, this conversation that we have, this really very unique piece of text in these chapters from 13 through 17. And, and so now he's he's looking back. He's like, You're, you remember that? You remember I've made that point already? It wasn't days or months or years ago, just minutes ago. Do you, mm-hmm. do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And he's able to use that point again to, I, I think, provide comfort to them to, to let them know, listen, I can handle this. I can shoulder all of this for you. you. You don't have to take all of the hurt or the trouble or the hatred. I can shoulder all of that for you. And, and as we both said, there's comfort in that for sure. There is comfort. And there's 
there's even an explanation that Jesus yeah. gives to them as to why all this is going to be this way, why the world hates him and subsequently them. And it's because Jesus came and exposed their sin. Right. And, and as a result of that, the world is going to hate him for that. And there, there is, is so much truth in that that the world in large part would love to operate where there just is no right or wrong, that you just get to define right and wrong for yourself. Whatever you think is right, great. Whatever I think is right, great. But what Jesus did is he came and he established a standard, and that standard exposes sin. And that standard means that there is now a right and a wrong and the world hates that. And, and so their hatred for that and because of that is going to be directed at those who follow Jesus, the one who exposed their sin. And, and so in, in, in essence, he is, he's not only preparing them for this, he's not only providing them with some comfort when these times arise, he's also making sure that they understand why mm. this hatred is going to be so real and, and and so strong in many ways. And it's because of what Jesus came to earth to do. And, and that is something that they shouldn't shy away from. We shouldn't shy away from that today. But we also shouldn't be ignorant to the fact that the world hates that. And they hate it just as much today as they hated it 2,000 years ago. Because when Jesus shines a spotlight on sin and creates a standard for which we are to live up to, that's going to require us to either change and submit our will to his and submit our own desires to the standard which he set, or we're going to have to push back against it. And that is what, in large part, the world has done. It has revolted against the standard that Jesus came to set, and the apostles were going to feel that firsthand in the coming days. Yeah, there's a reality that God's Word is offensive. Mm-hmm. Now, we say things like that, and we, we think that's a bad thing because you know the, the idea of being offended or being offensive has morphed right. really in the past decade probably. But you know what we mean by that is, is that, that God's Word offends people. It, it offends man. It offends our desires. It, it offends our will. It goes against the norm, if you will. And, and so we, people have to make a choice. You are confronted with God's Word, and a choice is demanded of you. And, and, you know, when people are uncomfortable with that, there's going to be blowback, and there often was. There was with Jesus. He makes that point directly. He's going to be put on a cross. He's going to be killed over this very same thing from people that were were bothered by him. They put him, and what are they bothered by? What he has said and what he has done, right? That's what they're bothered by. And so they're going to put him on a cross. And, and Jesus, he, he doesn't pull any punches. He's not, you know, trying to, you know, hide a secret from them uh, or from us that there's going to be people that are going to be upset with God's word. But remember, that's what it is God's word. No, it's not my word, Jeremy's, or it's not your word, John's, or anybody else's who's listening. It is God's word. And then to remember, hey, God's big enough to handle all of that. He's big enough to shoulder all of the issues. And so let's let him do that, mm-hmm. right? Let's let him do that. And now we can revert back to the beginning of our conversation. It can be a joyful relationship. 
that we have with God, even in the face of difficulty. It can be a joyous relationship because I have given all of the difficult things to God. I've, I've laid those on him, and he's big enough to take it, and so I can just keep joy in my heart because of this incredible relationship that we have. Yeah, and, and Jesus makes the point there in, in verse number 25 that this is not something that caught him or God off guard. This wasn't something they weren't prepared for. You know, he quotes the Psalms here and, and says, listen, this was always going to be the case. They hated me without a cause. This was always, always going to be the case because when when sin is identified, revolt, a revolting reaction occurs in large part. And that has always been the case with the Word of God, and it will continue to be the case with the Word of God. But verse 26 adds to the, the comfort, I think, that we've talked about a little bit already, because he reiterates the fact that there is going to be a helper that is going to come. And so in the midst of this rejection and in the midst of the hatred that they're going to experience, there is going to be a helper that is going to be there for you. You're not going to have to face this by yourself. You're not going to do this alone. Continuing to offer that reassurance that they needed right now. Yeah, and you know it's you know it's hard to almost you know put the brakes here and and yeah. you know push pause. But listen, we've we've struggled with that I think every step <laughs> of the way because this is this is one conversation. And you know there's all you know we'll talk about this certainly next week, but. You know, there's you know there's a great reaction from Jesus from like the end of chapter 13 that we've made reference to how chapter 14 began with that highly emotional points that he's made and then he begins chapter 14. Listen, don't don't be troubled by that. We we get a very similar thing with the beginning of chapter 16. All, all of these maybe difficult, scary things you know, that, that Jesus lays on. You then have in chapter 16 and verse 1, these things I have spoken to you that you, you're you not going to be made to stumble. Mm-hmm. And so now it just, it's a, it's an ongoing conversation that's, that's going on. And, and I'm looking forward to getting into that next week. And certainly everyone who has studied along with us up to this point, we have a couple of chapters still to go. I think in a lot of ways, chapter 16 is the the least known mm-hmm. of uh, of this whole text. So I'm looking forward to diving into it over the next couple of, uh, of studies. And then I'll leave us just with chapter 17, and uh, we'll put a bow on this a few weeks down the road. So thank you so much for uh, studying along with us, and we'll look forward to being with you again next week.